Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can you believe it? We are less than one week away from the very first game of the NBA regular season. It is a Wednesday afternoon. I'm feeling good, feeling recovered. Ready to go, ready to watch some basketball, ready to talk some basketball. Right here on Keep It at 94. What's up, guys? Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, another episode courtesy of the basketballnews.com podcast network. B, my man, it's here. It's it's preseason currently, but there's not much left. And we're going to see the tip off next Tuesday. Already. Crazy. Next Tuesday, we get real NBA games, games that count. The preseason has been fine. There's some fun moments, fun times that you see in it, but there's still preseason. We get to see the real deal coming up in less than a week. Yep. How crazy is that? And we've already gotten some treats. We had some really fun games. You know, Magic and Memphis last night came down to the wire. Franz Wagner, very, very clutch shooting in that game. By the way, can we please talk about that guy? He's good. <laughs> He's good. And he looked solid too over at EuroLeague. But I digress. Can we talk um, about Obi Toppin doing one of the smoothest uh, under the leg uh, windmill jams I've ever seen? Yeah. Obi Toppin having a good time. That's what he did at Dayton. He can, he can do it on any, any court, honestly. But there's there's ton of fun stuff. I know there's uh, one set of games in particular that we didn't talk about. We kind of talked about before they happened on our last pod. But who we do we have a treat at the top of the 2023 NBA draft leaderboard? He's an alien, man. He he's an, an alien. alien. Victor Wembanyama. It's yep, unbelievable. He's to watch those games. It, it's been incredible to like hear all about him. It's one thing to hear about a guy, and you know, scouts can say what they're going to say about him. But then when you actually see him play and play against good competition and to dominate the way that he did in those two games last week, it just blows your mind to see this guy in action and what he can do with all those gifts that he has. Yep. And let's not forget Scoot Henderson either, who is making his own case to beat the top of this draft. Just he has a grown man's body already and he just turned 18. He's got amazing change of pace. 
He's built like an ox. Jumps out of the building. Athletic, smart. Some of his passes, just drawing attention, not speeding the game up for himself, letting the game come to him. He's worked on his jump shot, three-point shot in particular, but he's still got the mid-range. He can get to the cup. He's explosive. I know all this because I did a profile on him last year. He was 17 playing in the G League Ignite. I mean, what what a top two that they already have established themselves as in the, in the draft. And, I mean, I, just to, on top for, for Wemby there, because it's hard to say Victor Wembanyama five times fast as I tried last week and failed. He looks just so unbothered by the outside pressure. And when you watch him play, he's taking shots like he's in practice. Like, did you see some of these? A seven foot four, seven foot five, whatever the hell he is, dude, should not be able to pull up in transition for three. He should not be able to dribble the way he does, like a point guard, and be able to get to the rim in two steps. You know who could do that? Giannis. He does not have the strength of Giannis, no. But he has a taller uh, frame, and he has a very smart game. So you you combine those elements of his size, one, his IQ, two, and his just general ability to shoot the basketball. That's scary. And he's able to, I mean, think about what kind of help defense you're going to have with this guy. Even if you drive it right at his teeth, which Scoot did, by the way. I mean, kudos to him. He did not have any fear of the moment or being afraid of a guy that everybody was talking about. But Victor's wingspan is like eight feet. It's eight feet. The, the one thing that, that I obviously probably have concern about is can he stay healthy? That is the biggest thing for me because, you know, he's very brittle. Let's be honest. And it's not easy to keep, you know, weight on with that type of, of frame. Uh, the bodies are only going to get bigger. Now, there were some NBA-sized bodies in the games that he played. And he's been playing against grown men for, shoot, I think three or four years now. But still, I mean, what a treat those games were. The Ignite versus the Metropolitans, 92. Very, very fun couple of games. Sucks that Scoot got hurt in the first quarter of the second one. But a treat, an absolute treat. And what, what I find very fun about this, and uh, I think we can have a little bragging rights about this, is that we, we were talking about this on the podcast leading up to it. I don't think anyone was talking about it until the game actually happened, other than, like, the diehard fans. But a lot of casual watchers, a lot of general basketball audience was introduced to Scoot and Victor last week. The thing about Wimpy, too, is, like you said, the only thing that we think can really stop him is injuries. But that being said, he's not as thin as like a Sean Bradley was back in the day or anything like that. He runs and he moves so fluidly and he'll put on some more weight, but he's smooth in the way that he runs, 
the way that he can shift on the court, even the way that he shoots, the way that he defends, he just goes after guys. He doesn't wait for somebody to come to him. He still goes after people. And then the IQ, like you mentioned, I mean, I, people have got to talk about like how smart this guy is off the court, how competitive he is. Uh, look at that first game. They were down by 20 points at halftime, and he, he spoke to the team. And he said, I'm going to take this game over. We got to come back. And they did. They ended up losing. But they came back and they took the lead because he's so competitive as well. He cares about this stuff. And that's what you want to see is somebody that loves the game and somebody that is competitive. And to put everything else with him when it comes to this amazing skill set, he's the best prospect we've seen in a long, long time. I mean, I would probably agree with some people that have said we haven't seen anybody like this or a prospect guaranteed to be, to be number one like this since LeBron. And I know we could talk about Zion, that he was going to be the number one pick, but I think he's a better prospect than even Zion was. And people are going to be tripping over themselves to get a chance to get this guy. Here's the one thing I have a little hesitation on for me is I, I just hope that nobody turns if he's not what we think he's going to be. That's my only thing. Because, you know, I just read this article by Howard Beck in Sports Illustrated. And you brought up Zion. You said how hyped he was, the the size that he that he possesses, uh, the athleticism that he possesses, the smarts that he possesses on the floor. And I'm I cannot wait to watch him play this year. I'm very excited. He missed the entire last season. But he talked about how people like just randomly like turned on him because of some reports that were coming out and because he's, you know, had his share of injuries. I don't want that to happen with Victor. There are already people putting out there that he could be a better prospect coming out of, you know, amateur sports than LeBron was. And I just think, while that may actually be true, just as far as the prospect goes, this is without knowing what LeBron would have become, but talking about their prospect selves, that could be true. But I'm already worried that the way that we're building this kid up, if he doesn't do what he's capable of doing on a nightly basis because of what we've seen in these two games. And as silly as that sounds, that's what people are going to expect. Then I could see easily a teardown. And that's that. Well, that's honestly what I hate about sports fandom is, is just this unrelenting pressure, this amazing kind of ability to forget what happens and what happened in the past, the way that kind of it's what have you done for me lately mentality. And maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe Victor does just end up being like the greatest of all time. Who, who freaking knows? But I'm just, I already have this worry in the back of my head that we are building him to this standard of he's going to be on basketball Mount Rushmore type of standard that if he doesn't get there, even if he's just an all-star or example, that we're going to be like, oh, yeah, screw him. You know, like that that's a fear of mine already. Well, I get that when it comes to the, the teardown. You don't want to see that. But 
I will say this when it comes to expectations. This is what we do as fans and as a society is that we are going to build things up because of we we see the skills, we see uh, what could be, and we do this in all facets of life, but especially in sports. But there are those occasions when guys really do meet these expectations. And we saw this with LeBron where he he met those and surpassed them even. Um, and, and they met them, you know, right out of high school, even when we were seeing him in high school with Wimby, we had all this hype going into these first two games, even that we were going to see on this national platform. And he stepped up and he met the expectations there. And that's, I think what's going to even bring more hype to him now, because we've already seen it like, Oh, people are all excited about this. Let's see what he does. I mean, he had two fantastic games that has people just slobbering over themselves now to have a chance at him. And that's why I think it's a little bit different from that standpoint is that um, I hope he meets those expectations, and I think he will. I'm not going to put the expectation of, like, greatest of all time or anything like that. Just he's going to be a dominant force in the NBA and, and something that we've never seen before because he's, like, he's the love child of Ralph Sampson and Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's what that's he is. A really good, that's a really good way to put it. And, and it, um, he, he brings together these tools that you don't see. Like, we've seen bigger guys be able to shoot, but we haven't seen a big guy that can move like that, that can shoot and is so fluid and is so smooth. He brings all of that together. And then if you can see it continue to grow and mold as he puts on more weight and he becomes a better player as he gets older and plays against better competition, you can just imagine – like what he can do. I mean, you, you've got other players in the league just wowed by him as well. They went another way to watch this guy oh, yeah. and to see how well he played in those two games. And, and the other thing too, not that he was ever going to do this, but I know there were some people with teams or whatever going, Hey, just shut it down. Don't, don't get hurt. And he's like, no, I mean, even his agents, like he's a kid. You know, he's, he's got to keep playing. He's got to keep improving. He's not going to shut down for a year and wait to get drafted in the NBA. He, he's, he's still a prospect. Exactly. I mean, like, he's still a prospect. He still wants I, to play. He still has a, the NFL so much is a little different. The NFL yeah. in football is a little different than, than basketball. I, Absolutely. That, that one's, I, I thought that was a little silly myself, but that's a really good, you know, that's a really, really good comp. And, you know, I hope that he has the most success and what he showed us is exactly what he becomes. Um, I, I just I, I don't like putting that kind of pressure on somebody that's not even 19 yet and isn't in the league. He isn't. He, he, he's, tough. you know, playing overseas like it. And you're not going to see him. The next time you see him in America is likely going to be when he gets drafted. Oh, absolutely. And this is why. And we're going to be giving, you know, predictions for where we think teams are going to finish this year. We look at this, and it's and it's extremely tough to do it this year because I think more teams than ever are really going for it when it comes to trying to win. But at that same time, because we see these two incredible prospects uh, and what they can do, I think you're going to see more teams hit the eject button quicker than we've ever seen before because they want that 14% chance of grabbing one of these two guys. And there's other guys as well. They're coming out that are going to be, it's supposed to be a very strong draft class, but the, the prizes are Wemby and, and Scoot. Yeah. Flat, flattened odds too. That's the other thing about, about the lottery. I do have a gripe with that though. And I don't know if you saw my tweet last week, but I got, I got a little irked about it when that report came out that a uh, NBA executive told Woj 
that, you know, it's going to be a, a race to the bottom. And my problem with that, my problem with that executive on an NBA team saying that before the season even starts is just desperate. I understand there's going to be a change for a lot of these these bottom teams. But here's the thing, and, and we're going to get into this when we get into our predictions. There's not going to be a lot of bottom teams. There's really not. It's going to be a very competitive year. Well, I think it, I don't at least think, at the beginning. I, yeah. But I, I do think that there's going to be teams that are going to be sitting going, even 20, 30 games into going, eh, do we really want to fight just to try to get into the plan? Do we really want to go through all of that? And normally you would say yes, but because you want the best chance you can at getting those two guys, especially Wemby, I think there's going to be a couple teams that say, no, let's go for them. Sure. We'll sacrifice this season and we'll do it right now. Yeah, that's fair. But like, if you're if you're a team that is in the middle, but you can take a step in your development as a either building franchise or a rebuilding franchise, are you taking that risk to say, all right, we're going to mail it in and hope we get this? If we don't get it, we're boned. If we do get it, okay, then it works. But it's still another two or three or four years before you're realistically competing at the level that you want to compete at. Right. That's but, my thing. But that's always the thing too, though, because... Like, if, you're already, if we already know where you are as a franchise, we know that San Antonio is going to be in this race for Wemby. We know that Utah is going to be in the race for Wemby. We know that, you know, these, these, these bottom-tier teams going into the season, we know where they're at. Indiana. We, we know who is going to be at the bottom. But you're telling me if you're a borderline playoff team that you're going to mail it in because of this? I think that's just dumb as hell. I think if you're a playoff team, no. But I think if you're a play-in, then yeah, I could see it. And there's going to be some teams, too, where... Here's the thing. Normally, when we talk about when you get the top pick, a lot of times you say, yes, that's great. But we're still going to be a couple years away. I think you can make an argument with those two guys, especially with Wimby, that you can turn your franchise around extremely quick. And just imagine if it's a team it took that... took LeBron already, James two and a half years to get to the playoffs? That's what I'm saying. I think it could be like that. I mean, even go back to the 80s. Look at like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and, and the turnaround there. Um, you know, when the Celtics got Bird, they... What did they win? I mean, over 30... <laughs> it was over 30 games, 40 games difference, something like that. Yeah. It was ridiculous. So, I mean, I think it could be something like that. And especially, like, you look at some of these younger teams... And you want to hit fast forward on that because you get Wemby. Imagine if you were the Orlando Magic. Imagine mm -hmm. if you were the Houston Rockets. Or imagine if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, where you've been sitting there, you've been waiting, you've been patient, and you sooner or later you're like, we got to hit the go button here. But then you've got this tempting treat just sitting out there and going, man, just one more year, one more bad season. But this could be our reward. It's tough. It is tough. But here's the thing, again, though, like if you lose, I, I don't know the last time someone in these new odds when they're flattened, not when you have the best chance at number one at a certain point, that the worst team in the league is picked at number one. I don't remember the last 
I, I really don't. Well, that's the thing. It's remember, it's three teams get a fourteen percent chance. Yeah, that that's that's because of the flat nods. That's mm-hmm. as good as it gets. You're giving yourself a fourteen percent chance. No, Scott Steiner says that has sixty-six two-thirds chance of winning. But seriously, I hate the lottery. <laughs> oh, God. 60% no, of the time, it works every time. It, it does. It does, Brian Fontana. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's enough Wemby talk. I am looking forward to seeing what he can do, though, and I'm sure that we'll be keeping tabs on him over in France as he competes with the Metropolitans 92. couple NBAers on that team, by the way, like, Tremont Waters is over there. That's cool. Good seeing him. He's a good, solid point guard. Uh, you know, a couple, couple guys over there. So, what's cool the G League? Them. The G League is really good. There's a lot of talent in. The I want to see on the ignite. I want to see more CD Sissoko, and uh, they have a a roster. Well, one again, like this is just the what might be appreciating the journeys and stuff like that. But seeing veterans like Pooh Jetter and. John Jenkins, who is a Vanderbilt legend, um, used to be in the NBA for a while and obviously fizzled out because of some injuries. But I, I love seeing guys like that on the team. But as far as their like roster is concerned, like I want to see more CD Sissoko. I think that that kid looks very, very interesting as a, uh, a player. Um, London Johnson, you know, we didn't mention this last week, but he signed the largest deal in G League Ignite history, two years, I think somewhere around a million, and he's 17. Just over a million. Yeah. And Scoot Henderson did that, like, two years ago. Right. But London Johnson following in those footsteps. Also a Georgia native, by the way. Something about Georgia natives, man. They they know how to hoop. But yeah, C.D. Sissoko, I want to see more of him. Uh, Leonard Miller, obviously another one there. Uh, I, I another cool little storyline there too is Sharif O'Neal's on that team. Yeah, and that that I mean that, this is obviously a really good development chance for him. And then uh, the last the last one I wanted to mention too, and I don't know if you remember him. You should remember him. I don't know why I say it. I don't know if you will, but everyone had the attention on Taco Fall. But Aubrey Dawkins is on that G League Ignite team. Yes, he is. Say, I, if anyone doesn't remember Aubrey Dawkins, just remember that Duke game when uh, him and Taco were fighting their asses off. Yes. It's one of the best teams in the country in the tournament. Son of the coach, I believe, at the time. Yes. But yeah, absolutely. No, is. It, it, it's cool. It's cool seeing like some of these names pop up and like, you know, just all throughout preseason on these different teams, even the overseas teams that have come in. But OK, next subject. It's on to you. <laughs> do you want to that talk was... about Draymond before we do the predictions? Okay. Yeah, sure. Everybody is right in that it's bad what happened. It's worse once you see the video of Draymond yes. Green punching Jordan Poole. I mean, you oh, hear... he slugged him. He's, he absolutely slugged him. He went him. full body, like put every bit of weight behind him. In that punch, he's lucky that everybody is lucky that Jordan Poole was not seriously injured in this whole situation. Oh, yeah. No, he uh, could have had a fractured jaw. Like, the, immediately when I saw that, I was thinking to myself, is that what happened to Nikola Mirotic with Bobby Portis? That was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. 
Because that was a nasty one too. That it was. was. There's was a difference really, really between nasty. like a little scuffle and some pushing, some shoving, maybe like a, a a jaw jack. But that was there was some force behind that. That was. I mean, you hear about somebody getting punched, and you're like, oh, okay, they got in scuffle and blah blah blah. And then you see this, and you're like, yeah, whoa. Mm. And, and and we still don't know, and I don't know if and when we will know what was said, why Draymond did what yeah. he did, what really irked him had to been built. I mean, it sounds like the two were close, but at the same time, they were always open to trash talking one another in practice. Yep. And I don't know what was said. Everybody with the Warriors continues to say Jordan didn't say anything out of the ordinary. So I know some people may thought maybe because both of them are eligible for contract extensions that maybe Jordan was saying something about that, but it sounds like he was not. So I'm not exactly sure why Draymond decided to hit him yeah. and in that manner and being so violent. Um, but now they have to deal with the aftermath of it. And, and it's not just, you know, Draymond has to deal with it. Jordan Poole has to deal with it. The Warriors as a team has to deal with it. So it, it's a, it's a big mess. And now yeah. we find out, you know, Draymond's getting fine. He has left the team. He's spending personal time away, but he's going to be back for the season opener. Yep. And the question now is going to be, how does this affect this team going forward? Because Steve Kerr said the biggest thing for us has been our chemistry, our camaraderie. And now that has been affected. It'd be one thing if it had stayed in house, but now that it's gotten out of the house, it adds a whole different element to it. More people are going to be talking about it and everything. And we don't even know really what the long-term effect is going to be when it comes to Jordan and, you know, having Draymond back, you know, around him and with the team because everybody gets affected by things in different ways. And we don't know if this is going to be something he's going to be able to put behind him or not. You know, Draymond can apologize to him like he did. He can apologize to the team. He can take all the right steps and whatnot. But things like this can linger and can definitely have an adverse effect on the team. I'll say this. The, the organization's done a good job of making it seem like things are okay, though. That, like, so, you know, the latest news was, you know, last night, Steve Kerr said that, you know, Green's going to be able to come back to practice Thursday, and then he's going to play uh, on Friday, and then in the season opener against the Lakers on Tuesday. Um, they've kind of understood, and Draymond came out, obviously, and apologized off rip, and was, you know, he seemed very contrite. He did. He seemed very contrite. And basically, Steve Kerr is like, yeah, he screwed up, but I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because of all the times he's been here and that he thinks he's earned that. So, you know, if if Draymond and Poole have gotten together and talked about it and he's talked to the team, he's been away from the team, obviously, and and working out, but I feel like they, even as as egregious of a move as that was, I feel like they know who Draymond is, and that's not something that he does. Um, that being said, though, he is such a strong personality, and we see this play out on the court and how much it helps his team. It's, he's one of those guys that you don't like unless he's on your team a lot of times. Right, because he is such an agitator. He's somebody who gets under your skin. He's somebody that trash talks. All the all those different things. 
But because he is such a strong personality, you do wonder. Now, I don't know if this is necessarily the case with him, especially with the Warriors, but you could do this behind the scenes. You could be a strong personality in your own locker room and push buttons on different guys and different things. But there comes a time where maybe that gets old. We see this happening in the could. coaching ranks all the time. Does it happen with players? And could this be a situation where it does happen? Because the, the thing is, though, there's, there's a lot of other people around him that have gotten used to this with him when it comes to Steph and, you know, Clay and some other people that have been around him for a long time. But with somebody like Jordan, who's a younger guy on the team that hasn't been around it as much, maybe some of the other younger guys that are there, is this something that has that effect where it does affect, you know, team chemistry because of the the younger or the newer players who are not used to that kind of personality or they just get tired of it because it is so strong it happens all the time i'm not saying the violence part or the the punching but you know the talking and over it could be overbearing at, at times there's times where somebody could say something and, and you kind of roll your eyes you just kind of get tired of this thing i mean you used to hear this about ray lewis with the ravens about what a strong personality he was but there would come a point with all these like pregame speeches and different things where people would just be like, oh, give me a break at some point, you know, as great of a player as he was. So you wonder, could it have that kind of similar effect here? Yeah, no, it's fair to wonder that. Because again, it was that bad of a, it was that bad of an issue and that bad of a strike. Um, it probably just but comes if there's, down if to... There's any orga- but here's my point. If there's any organization that gets through this, it's the Warriors. Yeah. Because that they just know how to get through. They know how to get through things. They know how to get through life issues. You know, they know how to get through injuries. They're just a very well-run organization. That's why it was so very, very surprising to see this. But they are just so good at handling these types of situations. I think. Just, I think that just things, being able to yeah. to to. Like not, I'm seriously not being funny, but just like to take a hit and to keep going and to just kind of keep your head down. Seasons here, we're ready to go. Type of mentality. Well, I think the two things that we really have to look at going forward is how does Jordan take it once he's back, and obviously the most important thing is he's supposed to speak to the media. By the way, yeah, uh, sometime in the next couple of days, I believe. Okay, but the other thing is, and the most obvious is. What does Draymond do going for? What are his actions going for? What are his words? Because as much as we can sit here and talk about what happened there, he's still a leader on the court. He still does certain things on the court. Is it going to affect him there? And is this something that hangs around in his head space too? Plus yeah, and if it doesn't work out too, like the Warriors miss Draymond Green. We know how much they can miss Draymond Green just being a defensive anchor. He's the linebacker basically calling things out, spots, whatnot. Um, incredible, you know, playmaker for them. Like he plays a big role on the floor. He's their fulcrum on both ends of the court. Yeah. Huge play. Yeah. Huge player. Big time. But yeah, no, I think I think they get through it just fine. Um, but yeah, no, it's Pretty crazy to see all that happen. Well, I think the other thing, too, is how long does, and this is something in today's day and age, how long is the media going to keep this a story? Uh, you're gonna, it is going to stretch for the next couple of months, at least. Probably, especially if, say, they at got up to a slow least. start or something happened, then it would just, you know, lengthen it. But to your point, you were talking about, like, how Jordan Poole reacts to this. How yeah, My question is, you know, 
is Draymond walking on eggshells now. Like, because he, if we're talking from a financial standpoint, he absolutely screwed himself. And oh, absolutely. Because he's going to be I a mean, free agent. And he, he might have screwed his trade value by something like that. Right. Because, I mean, what does he have? He has a player option after this year, but he's extension eligible, if I remember right, uh, the way it goes with his contract. So, um, you know, he, he wants to get the extension, but, I mean, he's hurt his value. He definitely has. I mean, yeah. we, we already saw that with his And play. I think he knows that. Yeah. Like, if you listen to the press conference, like, he, like I said, it was contrite. I mean, we know this with his play because he's getting older. He's not the most athletic guy, obviously. But, you know, his shooting has definitely gone down. Not that he was ever a great shooter, but he still has those moments. And we saw that in the finals last year with his last couple of games. He stepped it up. And he was the Draymond that we are used to. But um, he does have the player option for $27.5 million and for next year. And, you know, he wants another deal. I'm sure he wants like another four-year, $100 million-plus deal. And I don't know if he's going to get that. I don't, I don't even know if the Warriors really want to give him that, you know, yeah, quite honestly. No. But then if, if they're not willing to give it to him, who would be? And and you think of this. So Steve Kerr phrased a sentence or something like that. I saw it on Twitter because, of course, I saw it on Twitter. Um, but he was basically talking about how important Jordan Poole is to their future and whatnot without basically saying that they're going to pay up and give him an extension. Like, yeah, because he, he can get an extension, too. And people are wondering, like, are both Draymond and Poole going to get it or just one of them? Because But Steve spoke glowingly about Jordan Poole. So yes. that, if that's an indicator of anything, then... <laughs> I think Poole's you know. going to get his extension. He has to get it by next Monday, and I, I think he will get it. I don't think Draymond's going to... But, I mean, obviously there's payroll concerns. I mean, their, their payroll is still going to be higher than everybody else's, but at the same yeah. time, you know, they're not going to get into that you know, $500 million payroll or anything like that. So right. they got they start got to start being a little pickier when it comes to who's getting extensions and who's getting paid. Fair. Fair enough. All right. You ready it's to do second, it? It's my second least favorite part of the offseason. You know what number one is, guys. If you've listened to the show, you know what number one is for me. Trade talk. You love hate, it. Hate, hate, hate. Transactions. Hate. It's not even that I hate that. It's it's just the noise that surrounds it's it. It's the and speculation. The hyperbole yeah. and the speculation. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. You want some more Russell Westbrook rumors? or? Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to pass on that Thank for you. now. I did see, though, that you know Jake Fisher did come up with a couple nuggets, actually. So we can we can mention those. Um, Jay Crowder, uh, news basically is that, you know, there's a lot of teams that are interested in him that are contending teams. Um, like the heat, uh, are his preferred destination, but it's tough to make a deal happen. Um, you know, the Grizzlies also looking at that, you know, particularly, uh, the Celtics are another team Hawks, um, Hawks. Yeah. So like, the Jazz were someone in there just obviously because they would be looking to get, you know, picks to take a contract or whatever. Um, and the Suns apparently like Jordan Clarkson, so yeah, that makes sense. Um, apparently Dallas is not interested. Uh, that's That was kind of interesting to me because Dallas could use someone like that, I think. Uh, 
but yeah, no, like that, that was pretty much the other um, news nugget that I wanted to mention there on the trade front. If only um, anybody could have heard us talking before we start recording and listen to Spencer twist and turn as he was writing down his predictions for how teams are going to finish and awards. I mean, it was gut wrenching to hear you gut wrenching, Brian gut wrenching. And here we have arrived. I teased that for a long time, but my first and my, my first least favorite thing is transactions and hyperbole and all that. My second least favorite thing is season predictions. I'm going to hear you are. to them. That's why, because I'm going to, every time I'm going to bring you save like, this document, Brian, it is in a Google drive. It is here. It is not changing. It stays. It does not have the ability to predict what happens with injuries, what happens with coaching hires and fires. It doesn't have a glass eye of, oh, this situation is a complete surprise. Don't, nope. Just going off of a guess because as I've said on this podcast, as Brian has said on this podcast, since the season ended, and since the offseason concluded, there is a bleep ton of competition this year. And there is a way to leave out very good teams from the playoff picture and from the play-in picture. So it's difficult. It's very difficult. I mean, I think everything's going to be bunched up so much. Yep. But it, it's hard because, as I said before, there's so many teams that, as the season begins, that are going to be going for it and are going to be competitive. I, I, I think teams are going to jump off, or a couple of them are going to jump off really quick if things are going south. Uh, but there's still going to be a lot of teams that are really going for it. And it's all it takes is a bad couple of weeks, one injury that lingers, you know, that could really change how teams finish because no I think they're going to be so tight. You know, it doesn't, you can't predict these things. Predictions are impossible. Let's just throw well, that's that why we there. save it so we can make fun of one another afterwards. That's exactly why we save it. It's so ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Do you want to start with and the East we have, the West? We have individual awards that we yeah. predicted. We had conference finals, finals, the whole kitten caboodle, people. All of it. We've both ranked how we think each team is going to finish in the, their conferences. Correct. This is crazy. You want to start with the East or the West? All right. Let's just go East and West. Let's do this, okay? In the East, give me your five teams that do not make the play-in tournament. The five teams that do not make the postseason at all. Correct. And I'll okay. I'll tell you if they if I have the same five. All right. Should I go from the very bottom to the top? Sure. Like who's on the go, very go edge? from 15, 14. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. So 15. See, now I have to actually think about this because I didn't list out all 15 teams. So now you're putting me on the spot again, Dad. See, oh, you're supposed to have uh, this. I thought I, I got no, I have, no, I have them written down one to ten. <laughs> oh, you don't have the last five. I you're didn't, I didn't oh, write down my last five. Wow. No, but I, I have I have the five teams. I just don't have them in order. Do you want so, me to give you my five and then you can catch up with me afterwards? Or you got this? No, no, I'll just do it out of order because I'm not going to. Okay. Here, 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 I'll just do I'll do 11 to 15 then. That's fine. Um, I think that. The uh, the Knicks miss it. 
I think that the wizards miss it. Yep. I think that the magic miss it. Yep. The Charlotte Hornets miss it. Yep. And the Indiana Pacers miss it. Not necessarily I, in that order. People do I not do agree. that. I agree. I have uh, four of those. The only one that is different is I do not have the Knicks missing it. I have the Pistons missing it. Mm. Okay. Still very young team. So mine are Pistons, Wizards, Pacers, Magic, Hornets. And the Hornets now with LaMelo Ball is going to miss some time with a high ankle sprain. By the way, sorry to interrupt, but remember what I said last week when we were talking about Wemby and a surprise team that could tank for him? Or a surprise team that should at least think about resetting? Well, the Hornets are not that big of a a surprise anymore. I was a week early on that, Brian, because what's everybody talking about now? Yeah, everybody's like, oh, the Hornets, man, especially LaMelo. Go back to the timestamp, people. I want a pat on my back. Don't hurt yourself. I might. <laughs> uh, do you think that uh, Mitch Kupchak is calling up his, his former team out in L.A. goes like, so that Russ deal, do you think we can still work something out? <laughs> Sheesh. I don't know, man, but that that team, I mean, with LaMelo being hurt and just where they are, um they they're they're not gonna make the playoffs this year. They they they're a team that definitely should look long and hard. I think it's a very easy decision. Say, uh let's race to the bottom. Agreed. The magic no, we both I- like, but they're very young. And they can be. There's going to be some scrappy ass teams, dude. Like I said, yeah. I don't. I think there's going to be like one team below 20 wins this year. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be gonna feisty, be but, yeah. But I mean, I think the Magic will be. You know, they'll have some nights. You know, but I mean, they're still very young. The Pacers, I think we're all interested in seeing, you know, Halliburton and seeing some of their young guys, but I think it depends on how they start and in how quickly. Or if all of they move off of like Miles Turner and Buddy Hill, which mm-hmm. I I think they're going to trade Turner at some point. I just don't know if that's going to be early or if that's going to be closer to the trade deadline. The Wizards, man, they hit eject on this thing. Oh my god! Um, because now you know they've got Bradley Beal starting a five year max coming up here. And do you know uh, Porzingis is still only twenty six? Yeah, he still has isn't what two years twenty seven. Like, isn't that believable? Unbelievable. Okay. It feels like he's been around forever. It does feel like he's been around. What does he have? Forever. Two years left on his deal? Uh let's take a look, see. I think that's what it is. Yep, two years. Two years. He's okay. got this year, next year. Okay. So it's not overly bad, but it's sure. still bad. Mm-hmm. But you know, they've got some guys that are gonna be up for uh can be up for free agency yeah. or contract extensions. I don't know if they're gonna want to do anything. By the way. Because because I, I really think that the Wizards, now they've committed everything, they're in a really, really tough spot. Would you? And I'll throw this one out right now. And this is the only time I will mention one possible trade scenario. This is it. I promise. Okay? Okay. I'm going to do it. All right. If the Wizards get off to a bad start, or at any point in the season before the trade deadline, we think things are going bad. Brad Beal's going to the Lakers. Just kidding. For Russell Westbrook, would you do that deal? Bradley Beal for Russell Westbrook. 
and the and the Laker picks. If you were the Wizards and if you're the Lakers, would you do that deal? But yeah, if you're the Lakers, I would. <laughs> oh, if I'm the Lakers, I would not do that deal. Why? Too much contract. Too much contract. I've got too much money invested in just one. That, that money if- needs to be split to two to three guys. They they need more depth and they. I just don't. I don't like the idea of one other guy making forty plus million dollars per year. And by the end of that contract, remember he's going to be thirty four. Ooh. He's going to be 34 and he's going to be making $57 million. They make a move like that. Then they're just going to reshape the roster because then they're just going to move AD or something. So to me, if I'm the Lakers, I would not do that deal. If I was the Wizards, I would. And I think you can explain it to your fan base and saying, hey, we tried. Brad was an important part of this roster and he wanted to be here. But to make this team better, it was time to move on and give him a different opportunity. It did work wow. out for both of us. That would be one hell of a, just an admission in the first year of his supermax deal. Mm-hmm. Ugh. That's Ugh. why it was so tough. If you wanted to give him that supermax, they missed the window on trading him for maximum value. A couple of seasons ago, they missed it. But it's hard when you've got a guy who says, I want to be there and I want to help win. And an owner that's very loyal. He's so good, though. He's really good. Like, do you remember that this dude averaged 30 points back-to-back seasons? I know. Like, he's really good. I'm just throwing it out there. I think if you're the Wizards, you would do that deal. If you're the Lakers, I think the Lakers would do it. But if I was the one making the decisions with LA. I would not. <laughs> but we all know that Rob Bolinka, fresh off his brand new extension in LA, would be like, oh, a star player is available? Come on down. Damn it, Brian. You snuck in Laker talk before you even got through our Western I wanted to picks. throw that out there. I haven't heard Damn anybody. I haven't, I haven't heard anybody I know. We were talking about scenario. the Wizards. I haven't, we were talking I haven't, about the Wizards. I have not heard anybody else bring up that scenario. And I thought about it the other day as I was putting together my list. I was like, I can't wait to get this gem out there. This is a beauty. What a gem. What a gem. Yeah. So our, our standings are pretty similar then, huh? Well, I mean, but like I said, I have the Knicks still making it into the plan. You, uh, I have the Pistons. Instead. You have the Pistons instead. Yeah. So it's the only difference. Well, okay. give, me your, give me your one through 10. Then. Okay, my one through 10. It is the Sixers at the very top. I have the Sixers at the top as well. Uh, number two, Celtics. Number three, Nets. Number four, Bucks. Number five, Cavs. Number six, Heat. Number seven, Raptors. Number eight, Bulls. Number nine, Hawks. Number 10, Pistons. We are different here. I have the Sixers at the top, but then I have the Bucks, Celtics third, the Raptors fourth, Hoo-hoo. the Miami Heat fifth, the Brooklyn Nets sixth. Wow. The Cavaliers seventh. Okay. Hawks eight, Knicks nine, Bulls 10. That is very different. Oh wow, we have some di- we have we have a little difference here. We got yeah. All right, all right. And the Bulls are the team that I almost wanted to take out and put in the the Pistons. I can't though because Levine Levine I just is can't really yet. good. And and if Patrick Williams is Patrick Williams the way he was in the playoffs, like and Vooch is better than what we saw last year. We know that. 
going into his final year. But the Bulls are a team that everybody has a bullseye on going, okay. Oh, the Bulls have a bullseye on them? If they don't do well early on, what's going to happen? Could they hit eject? And I kind of wonder that about the Knicks as well. Like, could they be a team that says, eh, we've waited this long. I know we went out and got Brunson, and we've been dying for a winter, but problem is you've got Tibbs, and I can't. I can't see a Tibbs team no, really I, saying we're going to take a slide on purpose. The only thing that could, I guess, say we're giving up is trading away Julius. That that would be like the one indicator for me because they're not going to trade R.J. Barrett. Right, they're not going to trade Jalen Brunson. But if they could get off of uh, Julius's contract, I think they would do it depending on what they would get back. It's crazy. Same with Fournier. You know, yeah. I mean, so you had the Cavs at five. I had them at seven. Uh-huh. You had the Nets at three. I had the Nets at three. I am at six. Okay. Fair. I had the Raptors up to four. Yeah, the Raptors, that's a that's a that's a different one, man. I I appreciate your boldness on that one. And where did you have the Hawks? The Hawks, I had them ninth. I have them eighth. So we're right in the same ballpark there. Yeah. Regardless, yeah, they're in the play in tournament. Yeah. So it's just too got, much. There's too much. There there's a lot there. You know, we both have the Sixers. How many wins do you think the Sixers will get? Um, Last year, the Philadelphia 76ers won 51 games. The best team in the East last year were the Miami Heat during the regular season. They won 53. I was going to put them right there at about 52, 53. I was yeah. going to say 56. I think they'll, ah, they'll beat no. that. No, there's not going to be anything over 55 wins this year. No, mm-hmm. not, not for me. Not the way this competition is wow. this year. Mm-mm. Even in not the even West. The West. Even in not the even West. the West. Nope. Because last year the Suns won 64. And then yeah, not happening this year. The Grizzlies won 56. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Okay. No. It's, so it, there's going to be way yeah. too much parody. Okay. So we're close on our non-playoff teams. And then we're... Any all... surprises in my list? Yeah. The Cavs have five. Okay. Which I wondered about. That's... A, they're still young and coming together, even though they do have Donovan. I think they it comes are. into, you know, does, how big of a step does Mobley take? So um, I thought about this this way. Last year before injuries, they were in the, they were actually leading the East. Um, I think through like some point midway November, they were leading the East. Uh I, I was reading over Nikias Duncan's Central Division preview and just thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, you know, there's a lot of people that are hyping them up like a lot, and this could bite them, the on paper thing. But I just the vibes around them right now are just too good, and they're getting their so-called, you know, crap out of the way in the preseason. Defense hasn't been pretty, but the offense, oh, my God, it's seamless. Looks nice. Looks there were a team I I struggled with a little bit. The other one was the Heat. I, I thought about putting the Heat lower because I had them at five. But I kept them there, and then my thinking was... Every other year, Spo? <laughs> well, they could, even, even at fifth, they could be like two or three games ahead of what the seventh seed is. So I just think because it's going to be so compacted that they'll be there, but... They've got too many pros on that team and, you know, between Jimmy and Bam alone, and we'll see, you know, just Tyler Hero take another step forward and, and some of their other. Brand new guys. contract for him, too. And we'll see what kind of deal 
they can make during the season if they can. Um, I mean, losing Tucker. That's, that's huge. A loss. That's a loss. Oh, so, it's a huge loss. That's that's why I bumped them down myself. Right. I like I said, I put them at five, and I'm kind of taking the leap of faith there. I I really thought about like putting them at seven. Whatever I, team signs PJ Tucker, they go to the very top. That's 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 what we're yeah, doing every season. That, I don't care who he signs with uh, after this deal expires with the Sixers in three years, but whoever he signs with, even if it's like a minimum deal, I'm putting the team at the top. That's probably going to be the move I'm going to regret. That I should have been bolder and put him down, but. But you had the Nets at three, and I am at six. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think I've been very consistent with what I've thought about the Nets this year. Yeah. Joe Harris being back, huge, spreads the floor, it opens things up. Ben Simmons, defensively, going to be great. Offensively, we will see. We will see. His first game in preseason was good. His second game in preseason was not good. Um, I think it's just going to take Irving, a while. one of the best scorers in the game. Kevin Durant, the best scorer in the game. Uh, yeah, that's my thinking on that. You bring in TJ Warren, uh, you have, you know, you still have Patty Mills off the bench. I think we've been over this, you know, re-signed Nick Claxton. Uh, it's a very good roster. Seth Curry, one of the best shooters in the game, along with Joe Harris, by the way, that floor is going to be nice and spread out. It is. They're going to be able to shoot. I still think they... I want to see how the chemistry comes together, putting last season behind them and everything else. Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal. And then I, to me, the biggest question for them is, is defense because there's only so many nights where you sit there and go, we're just going to flat out outscore everybody and go into a track meet. I think they're, I, I like their defense, honestly. I like, so they have Claxton in there. They could throw out there. Um, I thought Dayron Sharp did a good job last year. If they need, you don't need to use him there. Uh, Royce O'Neal, we know, is a good defender, and he doesn't have to be that number one guy anymore like he had to be in, you know, Utah. was He was the only perimeter defender in Utah sure. for the last, like, three years. Um, I think Markeith Morris brings an element of toughness. That's big time. Uh, Kessler Edwards has the wingspan on defense. I, I, I think they're all right. And we obviously know that Ben Simmons is DPOY caliber player. So there you go. Now let's go to the West. All right. Give me your your five bottom feeders out there. Five bottom feeders in the West. Oh, this see, this one's even tougher. Again, in no order. And by the way, everybody is waiting with bated breath regarding one particular team and see if you put them in there or not. All right. (laughs) If you listen to the podcast, you'll know what he's talking about. Who's got the guts to do it? All right. Uh, San Antonio Spurs out. Utah Jazz out. Houston Rockets out. Yep. Portland Trailblazers, as hard as it was, out. Thunder out. Which means one thing, baby. It means one thing. I'll let y'all guess that after Brian shares his. Oh, I'll tell you what that thing is right now. (laughs) Kings! Ah! (laughs) We believe. We believe, people. No, you said we. You make it an I because I do not have the Kings in. How dare you? I have the other four. I have the Jazz, the Spurs, the Rockets, and the Thunder out. I put the Blazers in at number 10, and the Kings one step below them at 11. Out! 
See, I fell I for it last year. A, I would have the Blazers at 11, probably. Yeah. I fell for that last year. I'm not I'm, doing it again. I'm not doing it again. I got to see it first. I'm out. They didn't have Domas Sabonis on the roster last year or Kevin Herter. I got to see Keegan it first. Murray. I got to see it. I'm not doing it again. I'm not falling for that trap again. That is Admiral Akbar going, it's a trap. <laughs> Believe. And Delhi's on the training camp roster. He, there's no better veteran leader. They've got no a lot veteran. of talent there, but I got to see it to believe it. A lot of talent, a lot of scoring talent. Your man Malik Monk's on that team too. I thought about it. I was going to do the same thing as you and have the Blazers out and the Kings in. And I have I said, the guts. Do Two not straight years. fall for it. Don't do it. Don't. The drought ends, Brian. The drought ends. Long, long time. 2006. And the last forever. time they made the playoffs. The drought ends under Mike Brown. It's almost a whole generation at this point. <laughs> it is almost a whole generation. Wow. I remember back ends. in the day when the Sacramento Kings made the playoffs. They should bring in Rick Adelman on his staff. Just, wow. just to make it to the good old days. Isn't that amazing? I'm looking at this right now. Every season, Rick Adelman was coach. They made the playoffs. He's a very good coach. Like literally, he had a lot from of talent. The first too. year he coached them to the last year he coached them. Mm. That's pretty damn impressive. Can they have Doug Christie there on the sideline and put up he his is, arm no, every Doug time? Doug Christie is an assistant. I believe I he's an assistant. But can yeah. he put his arm up every time and like for there's a bucket like he used to do when he played? <laughs> For My his Kings wife, teams. yeah. I like, dude. My Kings teams, man. Bibby Stoyakovich. I remember Bonzi. Those are fun teams, man. So just like the East, when it comes to the West, both of us agreed on four to the five. We only disagreed on one. That's pretty impressive, actually. Right now, give me we're your gonna, top ten. We're gonna list them, right? Yeah. yeah. Give it to. All me. right. Here we go. Screw training camp scuffles. Warriors, number one. Two, Clippers. Three, Suns. Four, Nuggets. Five, Grizzlies. Six, Pelicans. Seven, Lakers. Eight, Wolves. Nine, Mavs. Ten, Kings. Look at you put the Mavs down at nine. <laughs> you had the Pelicans where again? Six. Six. They're good. They're good. They're really good. I wanted to be gutsy. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Here's mine. One, Clippers. Two, Nuggets. Three, Warriors. Four, Suns. Five, Grizzlies. Six, Lakers. Okay. Seven, T-Wolves. Eight, Mavericks. Nine Pelicans, ten Blazers. Yeah, ours are quite different. Ours are quite different. Yep. Okay. We both had the Clippers very high. You had them yeah. at yeah. two. I had I mean, one. It's simple, simple math, guys. Kawhi Leonard comes back. You have Paul George. You add John Wall to that mix. You still have, you know, Norman Powell's there. You have great. You have really good surrounding talent, and you know, Covington, really, really solid. A growing prospect still in in Terrence Mann, who's been around the block. You know, a sharpshooter like Luke Kennard. They've got a good roster, and they're deep. They've got a team that even when 
They give Kawhi a night off when they. Get and now Paul Reggie George doesn't have to panic. Yeah. About having to be the guy. They'll give they'll give their two top stars nights off, and I think they they can get by on those nights. So, I think they're a team that's definitely built for the regular season. Um, and I'm not saying they're not going to go far in the playoffs. I'm not trying to give anything away, but they've got a lot of regular season wins written all over them. Oh, trash talk by the other LA guy. Mm. Uh, what else stands out to you about our picks there? Well, you had Pelicans. We're again, I'm sorry, six, six. I had them nine, but I don't think there's going to be that many much difference. I thought about trying to put them higher. this. Yeah. This range between shoot, I would say four to 10 yeah, is going to be tight. stupid. Now, in this case, maybe four to eight, yeah. four to nine, because I don't think the Kings are necessarily going to be that high right. of a win total. But you had Warriors one and I have them three. Mm-hmm. Uh, where'd you have Nuggets? The Nuggets, I had them at four. OK, so I'm at two. It's not too big of a difference. We both had the love Grizzlies it. at five. Love it. I love the Nuggets this year. I just got to see Jamal healthy. Yeah. I got to see Michael Porter Jr. healthy. That's the only thing. Yeah. But. I mean, they bring in Bruce Brown. You have uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope there now. Great, great signings. Um, guys who can play, make guys who can shoot, and most importantly, defend because that's what they've needed for so long. But I mean, I I look at a team that last year won forty eight games, yeah, without two of their stars. I mean, it no, was you're it right. was Jokic and the Jokicets, and now that he's got a better supporting cast, I look at that going. Okay, this guy's been the MVP the last two years. He did it last year without a strong supporting cast, and now he's got his guys back. The Yoga Jets. Yeah. Look out for Christian Brown on that team, by the way. He's been doing well in camp. We both had the Grizzlies at five. Yep. You had the Lakers at seven? I did. I have them at six. Mm -hmm. I have them getting, not even having to go into the play-in. No, that's good. That, that's a good prediction. And I mean, I because you haven't seen LeBron do that ever in his career. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a bull prediction. Okay. Anthony Davis is going to play in at least sixty five games. Sixty five. Oh, buddy. At least. All right. Oh, I, I can't wait to go back to this podcast. He has not as, played. As, he hasn't played over sixty since 2019-20, the year they won the championship. As much as I want, and, and everybody should have their doubts about the Lakers. No, I I like them more this year. But it's just it's just a really crowded. It, it, to me, a lot of it is about health. I mean, you can get past all the rusting and all the noise with that. I think Darvin Ham has done a, a really really good job so far, in in handling all of that. Um. But if this team stays healthy, which is a huge, massive if, but we've seen what LeBron and AD could do on the court when those two guys are out there and healthy. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm banking on, which can be ridiculous. But um, I'm kind of looking at that. And even then, it's still a succeed. I mean, I, there's still a lot of things that could happen with this team. I mean, they're already talking about, like, after they went out and got Damian Jones and Thomas Bryant, they're already talking about, well – Maybe AD will be the starting center. <laughs> you know, there, there's already yep. some questions there. Um, we got to see who's going to be in the rotation kind of a thing. That's kind of, they're going to be figuring that out for the first, you know, 15, 20 games. And there's going to be the whole, you know, Russ thing hanging over them, you know, all the way through the trade deadline, unless they trade him. Um, yeah. And I think Russ has been, you know, on his best behavior, as we would expect. He's a professional. Um, he can say all the right things, 
It's what he's going to do on the court. For the most part, I think he's done the right things, but there's still going to be defensive lapses, which is where I think Darwin and his staff are going to be looking at the most when it comes to him and going, are you at least giving effort and doing the right things on defense and not turning your head and letting your guy breeze right by you? Um, it's things like that. So that that's where this team has to build their foundation from is defensive end of the court. So far, we've seen them play hard. It's preseason. It doesn't matter. I mean, you you could try to build an identity there, but let's see what happens. But I, I think they're going to be better defensively, okay. and they desperately need that. That That's when, you know, when they played well and then when they won that championship, it's because they were very good defensively. They they did not uh, play well on that end of the court last year. Especially. What did I what did I text you during that preseason game last week? Remind me. I'm sorry. I was out of town this past. No, weekend. so I was watching. I mean, simple observation, but Juan Toscano Anderson's on the. Court. Oh yeah, you were talking about Juan, and I said he has an element of give a shit. He does, and it seems like the team has an element of give a shit this year. That's yeah. th- that's my very very. Far away in Cleveland, Ohio, watching afar observation is they look like they give a damn. And that's that's half the battle. That's the way, half the battle from whatever that was. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, when we were texting each other, I, I go, I was watching that game uh, the last week. Not, not the Warriors one, the one before that. And I said, I saw them run a real set, moving the ball, scoring. Uh, Kendrick Nunn. Playing well, probably their biggest addition of the oh, year. Yeah. I go, I, I saw Russ almost set a screen. It was incredible. And, I mean, you have Pat Bev there. Pat Bev, he's not going to let you get punked. He holds everybody He's just not that type of personality. Yeah. He will not let you get punked. We were like, why the hell did the Timberwolves go after this? Why is he staying in, in Minnesota? And albeit as much as we make fun of how excited they were over a play-in win, that was an element of give a crap. Yeah. Right. And we'll see and, these and last couple of games. You, you inject that into a team and you inject that into belief. It works. I mean, they're, they're going to play LeBron and AD in their final couple of preseason games. Yeah. And you know, it's because they're at that point now where we're like, we got, we want to play these guys. we got to try to figure out a starting lineup. We, you know, we and believe it. And I think they really want to win a couple of these because they want to try to get that mentality. And and the other thing is too. Not only do I think they care on the court a lot more than last year, I think they are pulling for one another a lot more than we saw last year. Yeah. It's something we saw a couple of seasons ago, but last year everybody was in this malaise and funk. And I I've seen their body language and everybody kind of pulling for one another. Um, been a lot more positive this year. So we'll see if that can be sustained. Sure. So now, where did you have the T wolves again? Because I am seven. Yeah, so we're both so not too different. We're not we're not all high and mighty on the T Wolves just yet, despite getting uh, Rudy. Correct. Yeah. No, they're they're gonna have to show something different, and I think they will. But again, it, it, there is nothing in Sharpie about these predictions. Like, yeah, it, it, it's just. I mean, so, they can they can win three more games than what we think, and they could end up being on a five seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and, and we're both kind of they can, like they can win two more games and be a four seed. Yeah, like, and we nuts. both think. You know, the the Mavericks are not going to be a top four team. We both have them down lower. I had them at eight, you have them at nine. Yeah. And and that sucks because I mean they looked good last year. They obviously surprised, got to the West Finals, and but 
And they improved. You know, they got JaVale there. They got Christian Wood there. Spencer Dinwiddie's going to be, like, really heavily leaned on since Jalen Brunson's gone. But, I mean, Jalen Brunson's a big loss. And, you know, you're going to have to rebound off of that somehow. I mean, that's why they made the move for Dinwiddie, I'm sure. But you're going to need a better shooting year from from Kleba, Davis Bertans. What ha- they do get Tim Hardaway Jr. back. That's big. But their backup point guard is going to be Frank Nilakina. Is he ready for that? You know, like, there's questions. But I still like their team. Like, I, that, that's, there are teams that aren't making the playoffs that I like. Like, that, that's, that's why this, is, this exercise is so difficult. It is tough, and I and I think it's especially tough this year. So I mean, it's it's not going to take much for your predictions for anybody's predictions to go haywire. Yep. Yep. Okay, let's get to the other stuff real quick. Okay, conference finals. Who do you think is playing in the uh, conference championship games? All right. So uh, my number one seed, Philadelphia, 76ers taking on the Nets in the East. Oh. And I have the Clippers and the Nuggets in the West. I have the 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks in the East, and I have the Nuggets and the Warriors in the West. Great matchups, great matchups. My finals, I have Nets versus Clippers. Who's winning? Who's winning? Damn you. I'm impartial to Ty, man. I I, got to go Ty Lue. So I'll go with with L.A. there. And and that's a very... That's a very interesting prediction. I understand. How wild will Steve Ballmer be on the streets if the Clippers win a championship? Oh my God. I saw a video of him a few weeks ago. Given that he just seemed like talk? he did a, a fresh line of something. He's easily <laughs> excitable. He is. He's a very excited. If he wins a championship, I'd be afraid for his health. I think he might implode. Um, hey, but maybe that's all he wants. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely wants. Uh, I have uh, in the I have the Bucks against the Warriors in the finals with the Bucks mm. winning. Ooh, I like that. I like really that a lot. I like. Oh, that sounds fun. Mm. We almost MVP got last of year. the season. Yep. Can I be boring with my MVP? I'm going Giannis. You know, I went with that last year, and I went with him and him winning DPOY. I'm going different this year. Joel Embiid is my MVP this year. Oh, he's finally going to get one. Finally going to get one. Though, because he's talking about how he doesn't give a shit about it this year. And if he has an element of don't give a shit about that, then he's in a good spot. Is there mentally. any chance Jokic could repeat MVP? <laughs> I don't see why not. I mean, I think he put up the numbers for it, but I don't know if the voters will do it. Because of voter exhaustion? Oh, yeah. I mean, we see this time right. and time. There's a reason why only one person has ever won three in a row. You know, Bird won three in a row in the mid '80s. I think he's the only one that's ever won three in a row. So, yeah. um, but I mean, you just don't you don't see this. I mean, look at Jordan. Well, I mean, Jordan could have won, you know, however many in a row. But one year, you know, they give it to Barkley. One year, they give it to Carl Malone. You can't tell me that Jordan wasn't the MVP of those years, right? So, yeah, there there is voter exhaustion when it comes to some you know comes to guys. You know, people get tired of them for whatever reason. So, hundred percent. Uh, rookie of the year. I have picked Paolo Bancaro with a very, very close finish from Keegan Murray. Very close finish. I have Keegan second, but I went chalk on that and I've got Paolo as well. They need offense. It's what he does. He plays yeah. offense. He's a really good player. 
it it's it's really about opportunity with these rookies, right? It's not indicative of like straight up talent. It, it's situation. Situation is so important in these. Uh, it's it's tough sometimes to to choose. Like, I really like Keegan Murray. I think Keegan Murray can be outstanding. You know who else could be really good? Shaden Sharp. Because I have no idea how good he is, or or, or if he's not. Like, like the other guy that I would look at is Jordan. But Ivy. that's that's my dark horse yeah. in in the race is Shaden Sharp. Yeah, I, uh, Jordan Ivy is somebody I think is going to get strong consideration. Oh, dude, of course, dude. Jaden Ivy was on the same team as like Chet Holmgren. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He 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 was really big time on that USA team. He developed at Purdue. J- Jaden Ivy's a talent, dude. He is really good. Um. You know what? This is this isn't even a part of our awards or whatever like that. But look out for David Roddy. Look out for Jake Laravia. Um, just some guys that could kind of stand out in the later rounds that could make a big difference. Christian Coloco, um, another one. Uh, Peyton Watson, too. Interesting pick. Mm. Uh, Nikola Jovic on, on the Heat. I know I'm listing, like, but but I'm just going through some of these these names that came out. Sure. Um, so defensive player of the year. I'm going to say, because yeah. I know you picked the same guy. I think Bam out of bio. I did. I picked Bam this year. We were talking about before and I was like, I'm not going to tell you who I picked, but you were going through your kind of ideas and I already I had Bam down. I had, I had him down. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's going to think I'm snaking him. I'm, I'm copying this guy, but nah, Bam. I think he's due, man. I think he's due. Um, he is just so good at switching. He's so good at using his length and his size to just stifle guys. And uh, it's very rare that you have that kind of knowledge and um, ability to use that knowledge in the same realm. So I think Bam's a a big part of this. Uh, You know, we'll see how it works with Rudy, but Rudy's always going to be a candidate for it. I think that if he stays healthy, I think Evan Mobley could absolutely be a candidate. Yeah, I think Giannis will be a candidate for it. I think Embiid. Yeah. It, it's tough. It really is tough. Yeah. Um, I'm Mikhail Bridges. Yeah, for sure. Who you have for six men? So this one I had tough time with too. But I'm picking John Wall. I'm picking John Wall. He is just in a great place mentally. Physically, he looks like he's as back to himself as he has been in two or three years. And he's just in a great situation. He's in a great situation where he can really provide that spark for the Clippers. Um, You know, aid Reggie Jackson whenever he needs a spell. He's playing with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. He just has that burst. And Ty knows what to do with these guys. He does. He knows what to do with these guys. You know, Ty actually had, you know, Derrick Rose in Cleveland when he was, you know, kind of at the crossroads of his career. And that's where he kind of bounced back and got things started again before he went over to Minnesota and to New York and then looked as the Derrick Rose that we know Derrick Rose is. Uh, So I think Ty with John Wall can really do some good things. My runner up, Malcolm Brogdon. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. My guy that I have, and, and I believe he's eligible for six-man. I think he, he's going to be coming off the bench again. I have Jordan Poole. Okay. He's not going to be starting, right? That's a good question. 
<laughs> I don't think he is. I don't think he is. That's a good question, man. I wouldn't think so. Uh, so. Because you what you have Clay and you have Wiggins, right? And you have Steph, obviously. So yeah, no. yeah. Yep, yep. But I, but, but I mean, I think Poole is just. We've seen how good he was last year, and I think oh, he's sure. only going to continue to get better. That that team, those guys, they they really really like Jordan a lot. Um, have rallied around him in so many different ways. Not even just from this recent incident, but you can tell how much the coaching staff and the other players really, really like Jordan and we've seen him blossom and I think that's just going to continue. So I've got, I've got pool winning six man. No love for Tyler hero for me, either of us here. Interesting. Mm. But you know who else? Uh, a dark horse candidate for me, Montrez Harrell. Interesting. Very dark horse yeah. candidate. He's going to be backing up Joel Embiid. Yeah. Which so, he's probably going to play 15 minutes if that <laughs> per game, but We'll see. You never know. Dark horse. Uh, most improved. Very difficult as well. Going with Tyrese Halliburton. And I was debating because I was like, can you pick someone that's on a team that doesn't make the playoffs? I looked back. Brandon Ingram won it when he was on the Pelicans and they didn't make the playoffs. So, all right. I'm picking Tyrese Halliburton. My backup, my runner-up is Cade Cunningham. I thought about Cade. I thought about Evan Mobley. I'm going with Cam Johnson. Oh, that's the wow. Cause he's getting the starting role. We know Jay Crowder's in trade talks and they put him at the four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. We've seen Cam have some big games, you know, second half of the last season. I think he's got it. So yeah, he's the guy I'm going to go with. Didn't very, think of him, did you? No, I didn't. Very, very. That was that was a slick one. I I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, yeah. It just it just seems to fit, and I, you know, as much as I've talked about the Suns and whether or not you know their happy faces on and on, it sounds like things have drastically improved over the last couple of weeks. And uh, uh, everybody from uh, you know media day with their boo boo faces, I think they've uh, turned their frowns upside down. They're talking to Monty now. I think they're talking, you know, even Aiden says, hey, that's all in the past. And everybody smiles and perking up a little bit, you know. And so, I, you know, and it sounds too, you know, like, um, you know, all that element's kind of gone right now. Every, everybody's kind of putting a positive face on everything. So, okay. Last one. Mm-hmm. Coach, Coach of, of the, year. the year. Ty Lu. Ty Lu. My guy. I have, you know, the Clippers the top seed in the in the West, so it's hard not to to pick him. It is. It's really hard not to pick him. He's, you know, one of the best in-game coaches, one of the best motivators and player coaches that there is in this league. He doesn't get enough credit for what he did last year for them to even be in the position they were in to be in the play-in tournament and they I hate the word overachieved, but they overachieved with that roster. So uh, the buy-in that he's going to get from his guys this year is going to be astronomical. Astronomical. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no. Uh, any votes on executive of the year? I didn't write one down, but I just thought. Oh, um, your guy from the Cavs. He's picking Kobe Altman. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's hard not to. It is hard not to. 
I mean, you go out and you get Donovan Mitchell the way he was able to get him. And I know this is premature, but, you know, eh. good pick. It's hard not to. Okay. Uh, you got anything else for me before we get up out of here? Don't think so. Just looking forward to seeing what's going to happen beginning next week. I mean, yeah. you get to see the Warriors get their uh, the rings on uh, Tuesday. And uh, there's some really good games to even start the season. By the way, next week, we're going to make sure that we uh, record on Tuesday. And with all these predictions we made, we're going to give ourselves one last chance to change our predictions. Because it's one still going to be before the games begin. We do have like a number of injuries that we have to be, you know, like... We're picking the Grizzlies to finish where they're at. They don't have Jerry Jackson Jr. That's we know wild. Marvin Bagley's out for three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Chris Middleton is out uh, at the beginning of the season here for the Bucks. Like, there's some really big injuries. Actually, there are. No, well, that's why. Like, I that plays into it. It does. But we made our predictions. We're going to we save did. these. We did. But next week, because the games have not begun yet, we're going to record on a Tuesday. We're going to see if we tinker with them. <laughs> If we want to make a change, that's the last chance we can. They After are that, in pencil, people. They After that, pencil. they're in pen, okay? <laughs> this is this is the rough draft. Is that what we're calling the episode Basically, the rough draft? This is the rough draft. The rough draft. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us here on Keeping It in 94. If you want to follow us on social media, I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. He is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Once again, a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got other great ones for you to listen to. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. Happy birthday, Nikias. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies. And the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review. Do it for us, too. Keep it at 94 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen. And make sure to listen and watch and read basketballnews.com on YouTube, our channel. You have to go over there and see all the amazing interviews that we have done. And they're in written form, too. So, uh, yeah, basketballnews.com. All kinds of great content leading up to the season, which starts on Tuesday. Nikias already has three or four season previews done by division. They're ridiculously long, but amazing and incredibly thorough. So keep your eyes on those. We will have player interviews coming up soon. Amazing. Again, podcasts that we have great guests and uh, yeah, more stories and all kinds of stuff. The kid, the whole kid caboodle. That's what we got there at basketballnews.com. So stick with us. Be with us, please, throughout this season. We're very excited to enter into year three already, which is crazy to believe um, where we started this thing a couple years ago. But until next episode of Keep It at 94, I'm signing off. This is Spencer Davies. Go Guards, beat the Yanks. See you. See you.